Pediatric hypertension is underdiagnosed. A new study takes aim at how much and why. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special series on children's health. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, your host, and with me today is Dr. David Kelber. Dr. Kelber is an attending physician in internal medicine and pediatrics at Harvard's Brigham and Women's, Boston Children's, and Massachusetts General Hospitals. He's also the assistant residency program director for Mass General's MedPeds program, and Dr. Kelber has a PhD in biomedical engineering. He comes to us today from his office in Boston. Today, we're discussing the underdiagnosis of pediatric hypertension and what a new study says about how much and why. Thank you for joining us today, David. We appreciate it. Before we start out, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in this particular study area? Sure. So I'm an internist and pediatrician and really focused on primary care. But one of the other hats I've worn in the past is as medical director for a pediatric weight management program. So as, as part of this program, I was referred children with weight problems. And usually at the first visit, I would do a, a comprehensive evaluation, take a really good history, do complete physical. But part of this would also be to look back in our electronic medical record and see all the information we had about the child. And there would probably be one or two times a week where as part of this comprehensive evaluation, I would discover that the child that I was seeing for the first time had hypertension. And the the reason I could figure this out is because we had, in our electronic medical record, blood pressures going back for seven years. And I was very particular about making sure, was the blood pressure at today's reading high or not? And then what about previous blood pressures? Because I knew that hypertension was a comorbid condition associated with obesity. So that's really how I sort of got interested initially in this topic. And what was striking about this was in most of the patients that I saw that had hypertension, it had not been diagnosed before. And in some cases, it had even been many years that the child had been hypertensive, but it didn't ever seem to be picked up before. Recently in JAMA, you and your co-authors published a paper titled Underdiagnosis of Hypertension in Children and Adolescents. Maybe you could summarize roughly the results of that study for us. The results, in a nutshell, we looked at a a large population, 15,000 children, about 50,000 visits, And from this, we saw that 500 children had blood pressures that showed that they were hypertensive. Having said that, only about 125 of those children had a diagnosis of hypertension. So so therefore, what we summarized from the study was that only one in four children who have hypertension has it ever been diagnosed. So, you know, if you extrapolate this to the national level, which at least from my perspective, I don't see any reason why you couldn't. This would mean that there's approximately 2 million children in the United States with hypertension, and of these, only 500,000 have been diagnosed. So what this means is there's approximately 1.5 million children in the United States who have hypertension, but we haven't diagnosed it yet. Was that surprising to you? that that percentage of of kids were undiagnosed? Definitely. I mean, the idea in my own clinical experience working with obese children, I thought, you know, probably maybe 50% of the time it it wouldn't be diagnosed. And so to really find 75% of the time was surprising. What was fascinating, though, we also looked at patient factors that contributed to the underdiagnosis. So one of the things we found, which sort sort of gets to the discrepancy between my impression and what we actually saw, is that One of the factors that we found is that 
if the child was overweight and if the obesity had been diagnosed, then there was a greater likelihood that if the child was hypertensive, the hypertension would be diagnosed. So the idea here is that if the pediatrician, sort of the same way I was looking at it, knew that the child was obese, then they look harder to see if the child also had hypertension because we know that up to a third of obese children can have hypertension. What was interesting about that, though, is that even if the child was overweight, if they didn't have a diagnosis of obesity, so so presumably then if the provider didn't know that they are obese, then that didn't have any correlation with whether the hypertension was diagnosed or not. So the obesity kind of raised the attention level. Were there any other patient factors that would likely have done the same? kind of increase the focus on the blood pressures besides obesity? Yes, there were several. Some of them are sort of obvious. So as an example, the more times the child had abnormal blood pressures measured beyond the three, that correlated with a a higher increase in the detection of the hypertension. So that was one. The second one, the magnitude of a single hypertension value above the sort of normal abnormal cutoff if you follow that, so sort of the the number of points, systolic or diastolic blood pressure points in the abnormal range above normal, the higher that was, the more likely the hypertension was to be picked up. Those, I think, on some level, at least from my standpoint, made more intuitive sense. The other factors that we looked at included age. So as an example here, the older the child was, if they had hypertension, the more likely they had to, to have it be recognized. So that was another factor. The other, one of the other factors we looked at was the taller they were or sort of the higher percentile height they were, the, the more likely they were to have it diagnosed. And we hypothesize, although we don't, you know, we don't have the data to back this up, but we hypothesize that the reason that these factors were correlated with an increase in the, the diagnosis of hypertension is that it pushes the abnormal range of the blood pressure for these children above the 120 over 80 number. So the idea here is that, you know, even pediatricians know that, you know, 120 over 80 is normal for an adult. And so therefore, if a child has over 120 over 80, well, wow, we should really look carefully to see if the child has hypertension. Welcome to a special series on children's health on ReachMD XM157 the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Dr. David Kelber, and we're discussing the underdiagnosis of pediatric hypertension and what a new study says about how much there is of that and why. You've talked about a number of patient factors that might likely increase the suspicion level of physicians and increase the likelihood of a diagnosis of hypertension. Were you surprised at the kids that were not diagnosed? Or do you have any feelings of why they were not diagnosed? Any thinking about how such a large percentage could have escaped outside of these patient factors being red flags for us? There's sort of two ways to answer the question. I mean, even, you know, these sort of red flags that made people look more, it's still missed in the the majority of cases. One of the real take-home messages is, is that, you know, we're just missing hypertension in general in children. And, you know, these factors help a little bit, but it's not like in, in patients who are taller or have a diagnosis of obesity or are older, we're picking it up in, you know, 90% of the time. You're still missing most of these. I think the other thing that's very important to recognize is that the idea would be that if you're not overweight, the younger you are, not necessarily the shorter you are, but with some of these risk factors, probably your chance of having secondary hypertension is higher because you don't have these other risk factors that would lead to primary or essential hypertension. So, you know, I think it's really, really important to 
look more carefully at the blood pressure measurements because in children, although primary or essential hypertension is still the most common type, secondary hypertension is more prevalent in children than in adults. And so, you know, not only might, might we be missing the hypertension, but then, you know, in some subsection of these patients, we're also missing this other underlying disease, which could be, you know, the cause of the secondary hypertension. Did you have access in this data to diagnoses of secondary hypertension? And, and if so, what were some of the common ones that you saw? We had access to all of the ICD-9 codes, which would include causes of secondary hypertension. We really didn't find a significant number of children where they had a diagnosis of secondary hypertension. I guess on the surface of it, it's not that surprising to me. And so, so a couple of things to think about. You know, the real cohort that you'd be looking for that in is the, the 125, because, you know, if, the, if you haven't diagnosed the hypertension, the chance that you would have diagnosed a secondary cause that could lead to hypertension seemed very unlikely. So therefore, if you're only talking about 125 patients, the fact that we didn't really find a, a huge, or we didn't, you know, find any significant diagnoses of secondary hypertension isn't that surprising, because although these numbers are very hard to pin down, you know, it's still secondary hypertension children probably accounts for, you know, certainly no more than probably 10 to 15 percent of the cases. You know, David, I think for many of us, these numbers are much larger than we might have thought, even intuitively, obviously larger than even you thought. What kind of feedback have you gotten from your peers and your um, your students, your co-authors even, uh, about uh, about the results? A couple of comments I've gotten. First of all, some people, what they'll say is, well, you probably didn't check the blood pressure in the right way, or you didn't do your study correctly, or I'm sure it's someone else who isn't doing it right. So I think, you know, that the first initial response is to sort of say, well, you know, there's just something wrong in the study, some denial on some level. I think if you look carefully, you know, we've really sort of accounted for a lot of those factors if you take the perspective that, you know, this is just very representative of normal care that's happening in most large centers. So that's the first piece. I think the other piece then is, you know, for people who really think about the study and really understand it, what's been fascinating to me is that of all the dozens and dozens of pediatricians that I've talked to about this, except one, and I'll talk about that one, but for dozens and dozens of them, at some point in the conversation, once they really understand what I've done in the results, they really have this sort of like aha moment where they realize, oh my gosh, there are patients in my population of children that I see that I have not checked the blood pressure on. So you know, it's very possible there are patients that I see that have high blood pressure that I haven't diagnosed. So I think it really hits home for for a lot of pediatricians. And, and when I was saying, you know, of all these dozens and dozens that I've talked to, there's only one that I've run into that said, oh, you know, I'm sure I pick it up in all of my patients because I have the blood pressure chart, you know, sitting in my office. And every time I see a blood pressure, I look it up on the chart. You know, after an article is published in JAMA or other refereed medical magazines, several weeks later, we'll get letters to the editor that are either uh, complimentary or critical of, of the article. What kind of things do you expect, especially in terms of the criticisms. I know you talked about some anecdotal ones. Do you feel there's any legitimate issues that can be criticized or at least looked at more closely in this? Or what are you expecting to see from your colleagues? I guess there's a couple things in that, you know, if you look at the study in detail, I mean, we looked at the blood pressures that were recorded really, you know, as part of the visit. So, so one of the criticisms is, is that, well, you know, if 
that might have just been the first blood pressure. And maybe someone rechecked the blood pressure and the recheck was normal and that just wasn't documented in the electronic medical record. And so, you know, the, the data that you're basing your diagnosis of hypertension on is incorrect. Similarly, on the side of the diagnosis, well, maybe the provider figured out that the the child had hypertension but just didn't code it, you know, didn't write the diagnosis in the electronic medical record. Now, we did account for this sum in the studies. So, what we did is we basically took a, a random sample of 10% of the children that seemed to have underdiagnosis, and we actually looked through the text of the electronic medical record to say that, you know, even if it wasn't coded, maybe there was some little note in the text. And so we found that that increased the diagnosis rate by about 10%. I want to thank Dr. David Kelber, who's been our guest. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn. You've been listening to a special series on children's health on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For any of your questions and comments, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thanks for listening.